Hi everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti and this is episode 18 of Yoga Land. On today's episode, I talked to my husband Jason Crandall about how to select a teacher training. There are so many of you out there who are either looking for a 200-hour program, an introductory program, and you want to teach, or you're looking for an introductory program because you want to deepen your practice and you think you don't want to teach, or you've done a 200-hour program and you're feeling like you need more support. So that's what we talk about in this episode. Jason has a lot of great insight about whether or not you should stay with your local teacher or travel and study with a teacher you don't know, or whether you should do the training all in one month-long immersion or spread it out. And of course, there's no right or wrong answers. We just kind of talk through the pros and cons for each. So if you're a teacher or you're thinking about training, this episode will definitely be of interest to you. So we're going to talk about ideas for how to select a teacher training today. And I think it's important to just say up front that we're going to be talking about different issues for selecting a 200-hour training versus selecting a more advanced training. At least that's what I would assume. Sure. So let's start with a 200-hour training. Sure. What are some of the basic pieces of advice you can offer to someone if they're thinking about doing a teacher training? I th- Well, I think it's the same, actually. I think that if you're doing a 200-hour program or a 300-hour program or a 500-hour program, I think that the most important thing is that you resonate with the teaching faculty. It's really important that that when you work in a teacher trainee, teacher training capacity, that you have trust and that you have confidence and that you have some track record and some understanding of who is conducting the program so that you can have a certain amount of discernment as to whether or not that program meets your standard of quality and whether or not that program is conducted by teachers that you feel can teach you something. These are investments and they aren't just investments in our practice and our personal growth. These are also, you know, professional programs that are hopefully going to help you establish a, a, maintain a job. One question I have about that is I think there's a difference between um, a teacher who teaches your local class, let's say, who you really like, and sure. and, and then that same teacher teaching a teacher training. Teaching a teacher training might be very new. It's you. different, yeah. You know, and, and as a teacher that teaches in really every different type of capacity, I know that for me personally, I am best suited to teach trainings and long format content. I think that I'm good at teaching drop-in classes, but I think that Different teachers excel to different degrees in different teaching environments. Right. And so for me, I've done this long enough to know that I really excel in a situation where I get to work with teachers. And I think that somewhat newer teachers might be excellent at conducting classes, but they may not be excellent at conducting trainings. Right. But it's really hard to know. It's really hard to know that. It's hard to know whether or not. It's hard to know how far and how deeply someone's skill set travels and how they are, how experienced they are in different formats. So even though we don't know that, we don't know teacher X, how they are in a public class versus a training, I still think it's a good benchmark. Do you resonate with them 
as an existing teacher? And do you believe that they have depth that they can share with this discipline? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking about someone who might be from a smaller town. Sure. And might just have one local studio. Fewer choices. Right? Yeah. yeah they yeah. might have one local studio. Agreed. They might have someone teaching a teacher training when the primary teacher has only taught for two years. So my, my question is, would you recommend going with that teacher because you know that teacher? Or would you recommend going with a more recognized teacher who's teaching a training in Los Angeles or in New York? See, this, it's funny because when I did my teacher training, I didn't know Sarah Powers at all. I knew her students and I really you liked didn't. her students and they recommended her. Okay, but I think that's similar to knowing the person. Okay. Because you, you might know them through association. So, but I think there's two separate things. Um, so let's get to the first thing you said. I am a ridiculous pragmatist. Like I really am a pragmatist. And so you have to be honest and realistic with what your choices are, with the range of options that you have. And if you live in a smaller location and there's only one teacher training program and it fits into your life and you've gone to that studio and it works for you, then I think that that's a totally reasonable, totally acceptable choice. There's and I know you're not suggesting otherwise, but there are excellent teacher training programs in small locations, and there are terrible teacher training programs in big locations. So we sort of have to look at what is the scale of what's realistic and through referrals. So you knew, you didn't know Sarah Powers, but you knew of Sarah Powers, and you had a direct association through students. And you ended up in the right place for you at the right time. So I think either way, I think either way, I don't, I don't think that someone should make a choice based, even though I said I'm a pragmatist, I don't think someone should decide to themselves, oh, I'm going to go to this, you know, retreat center for three weeks and do a 200 hour program with someone I've never heard of. I've never met. I have no association with them. And I'm just going to roll the dice. Like, that's not a choice that I would make because it's a lot of money. It's a big investment. And if you don't have sound foundations, and I'm not saying there, that there aren't some really good teachers teaching at a retreat center for three weeks, but if you don't have sound foundations as a yoga teacher, if your first training is not fully vetted and, re- and really good, then you're going to have to repeat the process. And that's not something that people really want to have to do. Mm -hmm. So I think going with more of a known commodity, whether it's known through association and through reputation in the greater yoga world, or whether it's known experience from a studio and from that teacher and from the people that are there, the students, I think that's a better bet than saying, oh, Thailand is killer. I would love to spend two and a half weeks and get this done with... The name Jimmy Garoppolo came up, but he's just a quarterback for the <laughs> Patriot. But you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I just, for me, that is not the decision that I would make. I don't think that that is a wise expenditure of resources. Mm-hmm. So is it common practice for um, people to ask you, or you probably know whether or not they ask a studio manager for referrals to past students who've taken the program? You know, I don't think so. I don't think that, I mean, for me and my training programs, and I can speak for other people in my training pro or other people that I know that I have a ton of respect for that teach training programs. 
I know that we get a lot of questions from prospective students, but I don't think that I have many students that are interested in my programs that are asking graduates of the program their experience. That, that, would, be a, that would be a wise thing. That would be a smart thing. But most of us aren't just aren't set up for that referral network. Mm-hmm. If this just happened actually in London, um, two 500-hour graduates of mine were assisting me for a three-day program. And there was someone in that three-day program who was asking these graduates, Adam and Sarah, it's like, you know, how was the training? What was the experience like? And so forth. I mean, that came up. I think questions come up like that because it's low-hanging fruit. You know, that there's a graduate in front of them. Yeah, that's helpful. Right? But I don't, I don't know how sought out it is. But different degrees have different... Different people have different degrees of research before they consume something. You know, for me, if I'm going to buy, like... It's a watch. I'm going to spend forever researching it. For other people, they're going to say, that's a cool watch. I want a watch. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of format, there's lots of different formats for teacher training. Some of them are offered for you know a series of months sure. on the weekend. Some of them are month-long intensive. Mm-hmm. Some of them are, you, do, you are now doing two-week modules. Yep. Obviously, the first thing to consider is like what fits into your Sure, 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 sure. You know, what, what sometimes, you can do. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you just don't have flexibility. Sure. But if you did have flexibility, do you have any thoughts about different types of learners choosing a format that could work for them? Do you see anything? You, you've taught several different formats. I've taught a bunch of different formats. Yes. I think that all of the different structures, whether it is a weekend program for three months or six months, whether it's an immersion, whether it's an immersion plus a retreat plus weekends. Honestly, I think they all have pros and I think they all have cons. Mm. I think that the pro, let's take them, let's just take two, the two most common, a month long immersion. Mm -hmm. And if it's less than a month, then people are really playing with the hours. I'm sorry, like people submit to Yoga Alliance that we start at 7 a.m. and then we end at 11.45 p.m. Wow. And that's how people get into two weeks or three weeks. Like if it's an immersion, it's got to be 20, 27, 26, 27 days maximum. If it's, if it, you mean minimum. Minimum, 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 minimum. If it's a 200 Other, hour. Yes, it does. You it think does. it needs to be. Yeah, oh okay. God. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, but anyways, the, let's say the, the month long, give or take some days immersion. The upside is that you are fully immersed. Like you are fully immersed. It is a hot house in there. <laughs> so I used to call the, the room when I did these programs a month long, the incubator, the human incubator. And the upside of that is you are fully immersed. You are fully engro- engrossed. You have no life whatsoever for that month. And that is actually sort of nice in its ways. It's a, it's a good learning environment. It, there's a strong impact that comes from from being sunk into an experience with no escape clause. You know, I talked to, you know, tons of people over the years that have done the 10-day Vipassana retreats. And they say, look, in a 10-day Vipassana retreat, you just go way deeper. You have a much more intense accumulation over 10 days than if you did 20 minutes a day for however many that would accrue. So I just think that the upside of the month-long immersion, you are so fully engrossed, you're so fully immersed, 
that you surrender to the experience and you learn a lot. You really learn a lot. And it's hugely transformative because it breaks you down. Like it breaks you down to a point. I don't mean that badly, but it literally breaks you down to a point where you just go with it. You just fully surrender to the intensity of the experience. And that can be a really wonderful thing. The downsides of that are the exact same thing. They're the shadow side of the upsides, which is it's really hard in your fried. You're fried by day seven. You are so fully saturated physically, mentally, emotionally. When you're inside this bubble of the training, that it's hard. You feel really incredibly raw and it's it's difficult to relate to others at that period of time who aren't in that program. So if you're a householder, you know, if you're having to go home at night and have, then you're with your husband or your wife or your kids or whatever, like it can be just really hard to relate because you're in such an, an intense bubble. Yeah. The upside of, of a longer format training, like three months or six months, however long it takes to do weekend stuff, The upside is that it spreads the learning out. And so sometimes the learning is easier to digest because you're not so fully saturated. Another upside is that you can live other aspects of your life. For many people taking time off on the weekends for many weekends in a row or for a period of six months is more realistic. It's more doable and you spread out the experience. The downside of it is sometimes when you spread out the learning experience, it just doesn't have the same degree of impact. It just doesn't coalesce. You are who you are five days of the week. And then two days of the week, you're in workshops all weekend. And then Monday morning, you're back to the other reality. And so it sometimes, even though it's more spread out and you can digest it easily, I just, I don't know another way to say it. It's just sometimes it doesn't end up having the same raw impact. I did six months yeah. of weekends. The other thing I'll add to the downside the drags, is huh? it's not just that. It's six months of having no weekends yeah. and working yeah. during the week is, yeah. is as hard as a, an intense immersion. That's you right. are exhausted That's right. by the end. That's right. And yeah, you're kind of like, there's more time for like inner community, little infights and things to fester. There's more time for like clicks to form and things like that. So, you know, you you do have to be with a skillful staff who can kind of read situations and manage them and things like that. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, both both situations have upsides and downsides. There's no one works, one doesn't work. They both have pros and cons for sure. Yeah. Do you think there's different considerations for someone who wants to do a 200 hour training and simply wants to deepen their practice versus people who are entering a 200 hour training thinking, I want to have a job by the end of this. I want to start working at yoga works or I want to start, you know, working at my local gym or my local studio. This is a tough question to answer because I would say that in foundational trainings and 200 hour trainings, I would say that probably totally unscientific query, 20 to 
35% of the people say, not even just feel, they say, I don't actually want to teach. I'm just here to deepen my practice, which actually tells me something, it actually tells me something real quickly, which is we also need a different type of immersive practice for yoga students that want to do an immersion, but don't actually want to teach. Sure. You know, I, I feel like in terms of the marketplace, in terms of learning environments, that we need more of that. We need intensified, deepen your practice mm-hmm. programs for people that, that really want to commit to the practice, but they don't want to teach. And they don't want to, do, do those people tend to, you know, kind of have an aversion to the practicum part of the training? No. So, okay. So then this is where it gets really confusing uh-huh. because, and this is where I'm ex- I'm happy to share my experience with this. That 20 to 40% of people that say they don't want to teach, I've now started to sit back and say, I don't know if I believe them. (laughs) You know, I don't know if I really believe, I don't know if I believe all 20 to 40% don't want to teach. I actually think there's something inside that they do. Maybe they don't want to be a full-time teacher. Maybe they don't want to try to fashion themselves in the likeness of whoever maybe they're just lacking confidence. I think they're lacking confidence. You know, I know all of the times in which I excuse my insecurities by feigning disinterest. Right. You know what I mean? It's a self-protection. Yeah. Or like for me, if when I travel on the weekend, sometimes if there's a jujitsu center, I try to go to it. And when I call them up, the first thing I say is, oh, I'm a white belt. I'm a white belt. I just started. Uh And that is true. But that is also me a little bit taking myself off the hook. Yeah. You know, I mean, it is a true thing, but sure. it is it is that. And that is me making myself more comfortable with the fact that I don't already know something. Because like everyone else, there's there's parts of my ego that are, that are fragile, you know, and that, that want to protect itself. Now, it is true for some, but I would say of those 20 to 40 percent, most of them end up teaching. Hmm. Most of them end up teaching. And sometimes they're the best teachers. Interesting. Okay, so you asked if there's different considerations. Those are my thoughts. But in terms of their different considerations, my answer is no, there's not really different considerations if you know you want to teach or if you know or think you know that you don't want to teach because there aren't different options. You know, there aren't different considerations because there aren't different options. If it's a good training program, about half of it's going to be focused on practice and about half of it, or hopefully a little bit more is going to be focused on teaching methodology. So if you do, if you're a student that wants to deepen your practice, but you don't think you want to teach, no matter what program you choose, still at least 50% of your time is going to be working on teaching methodology. So it's not like there's a different style of program. Okay. Is that making sense? But but Yoga Alliance has six categories, right, that you have to provide in a training program. Correct. Can you decide for each program how many hours you spend? So yes, each category. Yeah. So you can you can play with the math a little bit. I mean, I don't mean that negatively. I'm not saying cook the books, but Yoga Alliance, if you're working within their rubric, even there, there there's still a lot of play. You can be more asana or less asana. There's, they have set guidelines for minimums, okay. number of hours. Okay. But, you know, for me, I push up the anatomy a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
and you know I push up sequencing a little bit. So as the teacher, you still you have to work within parameters, but you still have a little bit of range for how you how you want to emphasize. Mm-hmm. At the same time, what I'm getting at is, as a student going into a program, whether you know you want to teach or think you don't want to teach or know you don't want to teach, still more or less the allotted time that is given to the subjects in any given program is about the same. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is it's not like if you don't want to teach there are teacher training programs that don't do teaching methodology. (laughs) So you can do 90% asana and pranayama and philosophy. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. I still think it goes down to the quality of education and the quality of the educator. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. ask you for your curriculum or your syllabus ahead of time? Yeah. Yeah. Once in a while. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to do it. it and, and the thing is, as far as trainings go, I publish mine pretty clearly. I mean, I don't do a day-to-day syllabus, but I publish not just hours. I publish the focal points mm-hmm. of each different module. And as you know, I've, I've, really, I've really settled into... 300-hour programs. Mm-hmm. I feel like, to be totally frank, there's so many 200-hour programs. And I feel like what I am passionate about is helping teachers who are already teaching become more refined, more skillful, more entrepreneurial. I really, at this phase of my teaching life, I really love working with existing teachers. So I'm not teaching as many foundational programs. In fact, right now I'm not teaching any foundational programs, but I'm doing the 300-hour programs to help hopefully elevate the current pool of of teachers that are out there that have done 200-hour program or sometimes more than 200 hours, but really know that they need to hone in and and become more, more knowledgeable, more skillful, more proficient in their craft if they're going to be a career teacher. Yeah. So I just want to clarify for people listening, the way that Yoga Alliance works, which is basically the registering body for yoga right now. You can be an RYS, which is a registered yoga school. So a 200-hour program is sort of like their basic foundational level, correct? Yes. 300 hours would be someone who's for someone who's already taken a 200 hour program. They've already taken a 200 hour program and I think they have to have taught a certain amount of hours. Okay. Yeah. And then there's also 500 hour programs which is kind of just 200 and 300 mashed together. That's right. Okay. And that's what it used to be. I mean that's I mean we don't have to like go way down the chain here of, you know, when I was 10, I walked <laughs> through the snow backwards. But the 200-hour phenomenon is still a really recent phenomenon. It's a strange, ambiguous number. Hmm. A decade ago or more, 500-hour programs were short. Like, 
things were a thousand hours. Yeah. It meant three-year programs, like all the Iyengar Institute stuff. And these were three years, two years, thousand hours, 1500 hours. Right. And I actually don't know when the 200 hour thing came along, but it's, it's an, just an ambiguous number. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's just a totally ambiguous number, arbitrary, but it's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, arbitrary. That's right. I get those mixed up <laughs> and ambivalent, throw ambivalent in there. I get mixed <laughs> up on that. But so the 200 hour program is now considered their foundational programs. Right. And there's some really good ones. There's some not really good ones. I mean, it's like, it's like school, you yeah. know, it's so, like grade school, yeah. right? I mean, like there are some really good grade schools. There are some really n- not well-resourced grade schools. Mm-hmm. It's just the truth. Right. It's the truth. And you're saying the best way for you to figure that out ahead of time is just to either know the teacher by their teaching or to know them via their kind of quote-unquote lineage, their teachers. Yeah. And to ask questions about the curriculum. Look, it's okay if you show up to a 90-minute yoga class or a 60-minute yoga class and the teacher says to you, hey, anyone, what do you guys want to do today? Hip openers. Fine. That's fine. You might still end up with a great class. I mean, really, there's plenty of teachers that do that, that, that then give a killer class. That's not the way you want to run a public training or a professional career gig. And so you want to know, I think that as the prospective student to a 200-hour program or a 500-hour program or 300-hour program, do your research. I mean, here's the deal. You're going to spend a couple of grand and probably even more importantly than that, you're going to give half of the year of your weekends over to an experience. Or you're going to be in a human incubator where every morsel of someone exists, someone's existence, yourself and everyone else's is going to come to the surface. So you're either going to be baked for a month or you're going to like be slow baked for six months. Do a couple of hours of research. You know, what is the studio's reputation? What is this teacher's reputation? Who are the faculty? Can you take some classes with them? Talk to them. I make people, I make phone calls. People, this happens all the time. People will say, hey, I have a couple of questions, blah, 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 blah. And I'll say, look, fine, I'll email you the answer or here's my phone number. Give me a call. Mm-hmm. You're going to spend thousands of dollars and spend hundreds of hours with somebody. Not only is it wise for you to do a little bit of research, and trust me, teaching programs is really profitable. So if a teacher isn't going to avail themselves of their time to answer your questions live, or via email, their degree of engagement with you in the program is going to be not much, guaranteed. Yeah. This, and I'm, I'm someone in the business. You know what I mean? I can tell you, like, if I don't avail my time and resources to prospective students who, in, from a business perspective, are my, my primary clients. Like if a business doesn't avail their time and their services to their primary client, then their degree of engagement and preparation is questionable. Right. I mean, I will say, I will say that straight up. I will say that with, without any backpedaling, without anything saying like, oh, I know some people are busy. Like, I don't care that people are busy. I'm busy. Yeah. Someone's not more busy than me. I'm not more busy than other people. They're not more busy than I am. Right. I make that time. So yeah, the the question, the thing you asked is, 
Yeah, ask around. Mm -hmm. Don't be bashful. Mm -hmm. This is a big investment. Mm -hmm. Think about the amount of time that people put in to researching college programs. If you really do want it to be a teacher, if you want this to be your job, think about the amount of time a lawyer puts in, a doctor puts in, any career professional puts in. If you want to be established in a career professional, then in all other disciplines, you have to put a lot of time and effort and investment into that. And I can say from, from knowing programs, you, in a lot of situations, you get out what you put in. You really do. And so if you want this to be your job or your career or your passion and all of those things, invest the time and the resources to establish, to do the research and to establish an early relationship. Yeah. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Yeah. Don't be shy. Last question. Yeah. What can a person expect to take away from a 200 hour program versus what you take away, what you learn and take away from a 300 hour program? I think here's the thing. What you can expect from a 200 hour program is you can expect from a good 200 hour program, you can expect to learn the bones and how to execute the bones of a basic yoga class. You can learn the basics of sequencing. You can learn the raw basics of anatomy, like that you have a foot and a hand (laughs) and an elbow, and there's a shoulder somewhere. You're not sure where the shoulder is, but you've heard of a shoulder. You can learn some of the foundational philosophical components. You can have an initial discussion about the Yoga Sutras, the Bhagavad Gita, the yoga tradition. You can learn some of the foundational, not just foundational, but you can learn a little bit more of not just the technique of postures, but the articulation of a posture. Doing a pose and instructing a pose are radically different things. So you learn more about the poses, but also you learn how to verbalize a pose, how to say what to do in Warrior Two. And there's a huge difference. I tell people all the time, it's the difference between reading and writing. Doing a pose is reading. Telling people how to do a pose is writing. They're Mm -hmm. different things. They're different skills. People don't know that. Sure. Because you think it's going to be easy. You know what I mean? Like you think like, oh, I know what this feels like. I know how to teach it. Mm -hmm. Good luck with that. Yeah. I mean, I've had students who are long time advanced, amazing students. Then it's when it's their time to teach a half sun salutation. They can't do it. They can't say this. Inhale, reach your arms up. (laughs) Exhale, fold forward. It's just not there. It's not that they can't learn to do it. It's just that they haven't done it. It's not there. Mm -hmm. So in those foundational programs, you learn that. You learn to teach some sun salutations. You learn some timing. You learn some rhythm. You learn safety protocols. You learn, hopefully, not to be a menace. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you learn just, you learn basics. And you can hopefully conduct a class. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, That a lot of the learning you get from on-the-job training, you get from actually doing the reps, you get from teaching the classes, but those foundational programs, hopefully you get a good community, you learn more about your practice, and you get a feel for how to conduct a, like pretty much a basic class and be all right. In advanced training, 300 hours on top of that, what I tell people all the time is, look, As a yoga teacher, as a budding yoga teacher, you don't know what you don't know 
until you're actually on the job doing this. So a 200-hour program is going to get you in the door. And then you teach for a couple months and you realize, oh my God, I don't know the calcaneus, the sacroiliac joint. Someone told me they had chondromalacia. Instagram, Facebook, how, these people have a lot of people in cl- students in class. How do I navigate this world? I thought I knew what the shoulder blades did in Ordvadanyarasana. I have no idea what the shoulder blades do in Ordvadanyarasana. So that second level, that 300-hour program, is really the opportunity for people to take their basics and to take their experience with a, a little bit of teaching. You don't have to be teaching much. And go much deeper. I mean, I know it's cliche to say go deeper or next level. I mean, it's super cliche, but it's where you get to you get to really learn a deeper level of analysis, a deeper level of understanding, a much deeper level of confidence, a much deeper level of security. And it's where you have a forum to ask an even more experienced level teacher, like, what do the shoulder blades do? Jim says this, Sally says this. So a more experienced level teacher should say, well, Jim's sort of right and Sally's sort of right. Here's the difference. You know, here's in this situation what the shoulder blades do. Here's in this situation what the shoulder blades do. It's a much deeper, more refined experience. I would say that the other thing is, and I'll keep this brief, which is a lot of times in in foundational programs, what I'm finding now, 200-hour programs, is people actually aren't taught sequencing anymore. They're taught a sequence to teach. Mm -hmm. That's not sequencing. Mm -hmm. Now, that's fine. I was an Ashtanga teacher for years. I loved that the first couple of years of teaching, I didn't have to sequence. I taught a sequence. Right. I loved that. That freed me up in a lot of ways. So I actually don't have a problem with, in 200-hour programs, people being handed a sequence saying, memorize this. I don't have a problem with that at all. That's not going to make someone happy or someone stand out or someone feel fulfilled for a lifetime of teaching this discipline. Yeah. That would be like if you were a musician and you just like, we're like, okay, memorize this tune. Now for the rest of your life, <laughs> yeah. play this song. Play these five songs. Yeah. Give me a break. Yeah. Like who's cut out for that? That's not, not many people. And I, schools that do that, they're fine. They can actually even be excellent. So long as people are explained to like, this is the learning process. You memorize the sequence, you teach the sequence until you get a little bit of wings under your feet and then come back and let's actually look at how to develop compelling sequences that actually make sense in people's bodies. So that's another big component of experience level trainings is you get given the, instead of just sort of given like, okay, here's a piece of pencil and here's tracing paper, you know, like go over this picture. In an experience level program, a 300 or a full 500 hour program, you're hopefully given the tools to do the craft, not just execute someone else's piece of content. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you've probably had some time on the job. So you have more specific questions. Totally. You can dive more deeply into what you need, what kind of answers you need totally. to improve your own teaching. Totally. And that's one of the reasons I love teaching this style. Mm-hmm. It, teaching 200-hour programs is really hugely satisfying because it's like, I don't mean this negatively, but I would imagine it's like teaching kindergarten. It's like, it's people's first experience yeah. and, and giving people 
their first experience to a deeper level of a discipline is like an unbelievably satisfying thing. And, and it should be guarded as teachers teaching foundational programs. We have to know how impactful it is to give people someone their first experience of this. Mm-hmm. That being said, the th- the thing I just so love about working with existing teachers is exactly what you brought up is that, is that people can really talk about stuff. They really like, Oh my, what happens when this happens? What happens when this happens? Or like, I, I got have, this guy. Yeah. Oh my God. And when he sits down and tries to do Pachimotanasana, he can't even touch his toes. Exactly. And then what next do to I him do? is the 23 year old woman who can put her leg behind her head. Yes. Who just seems bored. Yeah. Yeah. And how do I deal with this? Like, how do I deal with mixed level classes? Yeah. And yeah. so that's for me, super satisfying. And that all that being said, if I were going to redo it all, we would have fewer 200 hour programs hmm. and we would have more 500 hour programs mm-hmm. to go back to this place where, to where the foundational yoga teacher, to go to a place where the foundational yoga teacher across the globe is a little bit better educated, that's good. That's good. And, and to be honest with you, if you look at most, not all, but most physical disciplines, the foundational training that goes in to being an instructor is much higher than 200 hours. Right. Well, so maybe the expectation is that the 200 hour is like the entry level training and you just expect that you're going to have continuing ed. Yeah. Well, th- that's exactly right. At a time, I think that's a good, like, uh, it's a, a good way to phrase it. That you can afford it. Totally. <laughs> and that you, you totally. know, that you have time to do it and that you totally. can digest it. Totally. Yeah. Because one of the nice things is this is a, a job where it is nice that you can get in and, and get your feet wet without a grueling amount of hours. I mean, I mean, I remember there was a phase of my life where I thought, you know, I think I want to be a chiropractor. There was a phase in my life where I thought, you know, I think I want to be X, Y, or Z. And then I started to look at the requirements and I'm like, uh, 12 years of this, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no way. Right. Or to be a therapist. Now I'm not, I don't think that those should be lower, Sure. but again, you look at the amount of just like hours that you have to do in practicum, Mm -hmm. they dwarf 200 hours. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's, so that's where I I sort of think if, if people are doing 200 hour programs and people are selling 200 hour programs, I just think we need to be more clear that this is not it. Sure. This is not all she wrote. Nope. This is good. Get your feet wet. Do this, have an immersive experience learn more and actually see, is this something you want to pursue or is this not something we want to pursue? Because there are going to people be people that think, Oh my God, I want to be a yoga teacher. And after 200 hours, they're like, no, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm going to get paid. What Mm -hmm. (laughs) for how long? Yeah. Yeah. Good. I'm good. I'm going to stick to being in practice and, and get into, you know, yeah. Being an editor. (laughs) (laughs) being a podcaster (laughs) exactly so your format these days you're offering a 300 hour yeah that's for people who have a 200 hour program in 2017 that's right and it is split into three two-week modules yeah three 100 hour programs so you could either do the whole thing or you could do them sort of a la carte yeah you yeah and and actually you know i said it's for two people that have 200 hour degrees. 
You can if you just wanted to do a 100-hour program, an immersive program, if you are an experienced yoga practitioner, if you've been practicing for five years, you can also just do a 100-hour program. And you can spread it out over whatever duration you want. Hmm. So if you decide, you know what, I have a 200-hour degree, or even, I mean, I have a lot of people who, who study with me who have thousands of hours of training. Sure, sure. But just, they just want it. They just want to keep going. You know, they're, they're lifelong students and they, they just really love the craft and they love being a, a student in right. addition to being a teacher. But they might say, you know what, I got to take three years to do this. So I'm going to do one module this year. I'm going to do another module the next year. I'm going to do another module the following year. Right. Because you're, the way that you have it formatted now. You just have to do three and you're going to offer the same modules year after year, right? So Yeah, I spent a ton of time figuring out, like, how do I want to break this up? I really believe in the 100-hour increments. Because that, that conversation we were having earlier, I think 100 hours in a row is the perfect amount. Mm-hmm. Because it's the amount to get you to make you almost crazy, but not quite crack. You know, like, it is an immersive experience to do two weeks, or I guess it's like 13 days, to do two weeks in a yoga studio, talking, looking, touching, practicing, like that's a lot. Mm-hmm. But you can take it for two weeks. You can do it for two weeks. And then after that two weeks, you get to get out of that incubator. And recover. And recover. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not as extreme. And yet it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I mean, I, the truth is, I, I don't know why I'm just realizing this. Everyone on the planet that is intense thinks that they're, they're not. I was like, realizing this about myself today, actually. You're like, oh, I'm easy. Like the moment someone's like, oh, I'm easy. They're not. Nope. Nope. Uh-uh. Nope. There's raging crazy underneath <laughs> exactly. that. Like there's, there's, no one is just one thing and no one feels just one way. Right. So I've had this identity for a long time where I think that I'm easy about things and man, I'm not, I'm intense. So to be in a t- two weeks with anyone, it's intense. Mm-hmm. In it, to me, it's just intense enough. And then you, and then you get some time and space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's intense enough that it's, you know, it, it creates that heat. It creates that tapas. It creates yes. that environment of like transformation and learning. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, for me, I'm not. I'm not right now trying to sell something, but when I am trying to sell something, I want to sell something to students that actually want the reality of what I'm selling. I don't want to sell something at all cost. I want to sell to a base that actually wants the thing. And so I'm happy to say that these trainings, they're intense, man. There's no way that you can have an immersion where you're doing this stuff from 8.30 to 5.30 p.m., seven days in a row, one day off, then five days in a row or six days, whatever it is. There's no way you can do this content without just setting a little bit of your toes on fire. Mm -hmm. But it's nothing like a month-long program. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's so much, it's more civilized. And so I really like the format and, and I'm a pretty obsessive curriculum designer. Like things in my life, I want them to be to be thought out and structured, especially trainings. So yes, I'm going to keep these three modules as they are. I spent a lot of time figuring out what I really think is the best. And I make subtle alterations, but structurally, this is the set of offerings that, that I'm going to go with for a few years. Cool. Yeah. 
All right. Yeah. Well, thanks. Do you have anything else to add? Nope. Okay. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Show notes for this episode can be found at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 18. I'll put links on that page to Jason's online trainings, as well as links to his training that he's doing next year in San Francisco, his live training in 2017. I'm also going to put a link on that page to a new survey that we have. It's a really simple six question survey, just trying to get a sense of what kind of content you're enjoying and what kind of content you'd like us to create more of. We always have so many ideas and we figured the best way to develop them is to figure out the best way to serve you. So I hope you'll take that really quick survey and let us know what you think. Enjoy your practice, everyone, and I'll talk to you next week. Steam kettle heats the tea I drink from this sleep. Barrel, I await so eagerly.